Good morning, everyone. Uh, we've been back for a few weeks, yeah, but it'll be the biggest crowd since we've been back, yeah. So good morning, everyone. Stanley, good to see you, brother. Sharon, good to see you. Welcome. Thanks for your patience back here. Good morning. How's it going? Good. What, what are your names? I think we feel like we've met before, but yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes. Of course. Yeah, that's why, that's why you look familiar. Well, welcome. Yeah, I didn't, didn't expect to see you guys. Yeah, and the map threw me off for sure, but great, great to see you guys. What's up, Mike? Juliana? Kirsten, Lydia, good morning. Look at you guys with your, your Starbucks. Staying hydrated. <laughs> Waking up, right? That's it. That's it. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, buddy, you looking sharp, man. Sharp. All right, do your thing, buddy. Do your thing. Thank you. Man, good morning, everyone. I want to invite you to stand up and sing with us today. Amen. God, 
So I hope that you've come today, whether you're here or worshiping online, that you've come to raise the hallelujah, not because our circumstances are the best or life is what we plan for 2020, but because our God is good. And at the rising of the sun, to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord should be so I'm excited today to worship with you. I'm excited about our fall kickoff. And if you are new with us, we want you to know we treat you and view you as a very valued guest. So if you're if you're in the room or online, we would love for you to take one minute to fill out our digital connect card. You can find it at rhc.church forward slash cc. I promise it'll take you less than 60 seconds. And we want to get to know you. And thank you for coming to worship with us. Uh, for those of you who are in the room, we want to thank you for continuing to abide by our state's guidelines to keep everyone healthy and safe. So please continue. You guys have done a great job. Wear your mask uh, throughout the time of our worship. Uh, continue to practice social distancing. Uh, please socialize outdoors and not indoors. And then finally, uh, just follow the leadership of our of our team, especially at the end of the service. Our ushers will dismiss everyone in a very orderly way. Well, today is our fall kickoff, and we are here to praise God, and we are here to praise God together. Uh, this week also marks the relaunch of our groups ministries, and so groups are going to be happening uh, throughout the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. Pastor John is going to share more about that at the end of our service, and we're also going to have a special time of prayer for our educators today. We know how difficult this season is for everyone, especially those in education, and we're going to pray for our educators later in the service today. And then I'm really excited uh, because Pastor John Chastain is back. So let's give it up for Pastor John. So thankful for him. Uh, most of you know, give me an elbow bump here. We can do that social distance. Uh, most of you know that Pastor John had an 11-week sabbatical this summer uh, where he had extra time just to rest and be refreshed. And so we're just so thankful that Pastor John's back. He's going to lead us in prayer as we begin our time of worship. Amen. Amen. 
want to invite you to worship God with the clap today. Join us.
Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath I could ever breathe, leave for you. Love to those around me. 
Stay standing. If you're a school administrator, an adjustment counselor, a coach, a custodian, anything that's involved in supporting our schools, a school committee member, a leader who's got to make tough decisions, 
would you join these teachers in standing? And I've got a word for you. You, my friends, are the new front line in our society's response to the pandemic. We want you to know that as a church, we have your back. As a church, we're committed to walking with you through this difficult time. To those that are gathered, I want you to turn in your seats. I want you to look at these individuals. And I know they're probably shy and unhappy that I'm making them stand. Because not only do we want to see them, but we want to see those that are in our community groups and in our neighborhoods, and we want to look them in the eye and affirm the value that they're bringing and the challenges that are before them. If you're a parent and you have a child, whether it's going to be online, in person, some hybrid, but you're going to be working with your children this year in the school year, would you stand up too? Don't be bashful. If you're a parent with children, school-age children, stand up. The Bible teaches that the primary teacher in a child's life has always been the parent. You have them 164 hours a week. And so this year, above and beyond any other year, the challenges before you as an educator are also severe because you have a role in partnership with the people that are standing. And so with that, let's pray for all of our educators in this coming season. Would you bow your head as I pray? Heavenly Father, we bow before you and we see our teachers, we see our aides, we recognize the unique pressures that are upon them. Father, we would ask that you would give them a creativity, a flexibility, an adaptability, moving under your spirit to fulfill the call that is on their lives to train and raise our most precious ones. Father, for our superintendents in Medford and beyond, for the administrators that have to make difficult decisions, Lord, would you give them wisdom in how to bring us all together for a positive outcome for our children. Lord, I pray for those school staff members, counselors, coaches, custodians. Father, I pray that even as the work of the vine ministering to our children is done, Lord, may the trellis be strong. May they have an attitude of support and energy in the mission. Lord, I do. I pray for our mayor in Medford and the mayors of the surrounding towns. I pray for our school committees. I pray for our community leaders that have to make unprecedented decisions. Lord, whether they confess your name or not, would you guide them in their choices? Would you grant them, Father, your supreme wisdom? And Lord, I pray for the many parents that are approaching this school year with lots of uncertainty, lots of challenge, and lots of struggle. Father, in particular, I pray for our single parents. And I pray that their testimony would be that your presence was constant and it gave them the spirit of perseverance, grit under your Holy Spirit. Lord, it occurs to me as I, as I um, look back at my life and I look back at this experience, 
I just wonder, what are the surprises you're going to do in our lives? The new things, the unique things, and the fresh friends. And Father, let us proceed with that spirit of faith and anticipation. I pray these things in Jesus' name. The one who himself asked many questions of people, mm. he himself answered many of them too. Yeah. It's in his name we pray. Amen, amen. Thank you, Pastor Reddy. So good to pray for specific people in our church and in our community in, in such a needed time. So just want to encourage you, you know, this. Well, what happens on Sunday is designed to carry us throughout the week. So it's not just about praying for educators today. Let's continue to pray for them this week and beyond uh, as they face unique challenges in this season. Well, uh, welcome again to Redemption Hill Church. So excited to jump into God's word with you today. Go ahead and open up to the book of Exodus. We're going to be in chapter 13, starting in verse 17 today. Exodus chapter 13, starting in verse 17. I want to give a couple of other just specific welcomes. Uh, we have college students that are back with us. So let's give it up for our college students. So thankful that you're here. And uh, for those of you that are back, maybe from summer travel or plans or just ready to return to in-person gatherings, uh, we're so thankful to see you for the first time as well. And this morning as we continue our Essential Church series, we've been, what we've been saying is, look, yes, this is, a, this is a crazy time. This is strange times. But one thing remains essential to who we are is the mission that God has called us to and who he is among us. Life can change. Circumstances can change. But our God is the same. And the core of who we are and what we're about has not changed. And so you can go back and listen to the first four weeks of this series, but we're going to wrap up this week and next week before we start our series on racial, racial justice on September 27th. Uh, but today I want us to think about and answer the question, who is your leader? Who is your leader? The Christian life can be summarized in two words. Follow me. Follow me. These words Jesus spoke again and again and again. And they were an invitation to individuals and crowds. Invitation to people in moments of decision or angst or anticipation or restoration. Just go back and read the Gospels. You'll see all of these dynamics in play when Jesus makes the call to people Follow me. And what we discover from the life of Jesus and what he calls us to is that this invitation is a call to a journey that is not safe, but it is full of adventure. It's not always easy, but it is entirely transformational. It's not so much a call to a particular path as it is a call to a person. Follow me. No matter where the path may lead, it's about the person who is leading us. And I believe this is such a, 
an important word, a timely word that we need to hear because this is a season when we are standing on the edge of uncertainty. We don't know what tomorrow holds. It feels like life is full of not periods or what we would really love are probably exclamation points, but question marks. Tons of question marks as we think about COVID and back to school and important decisions that we're trying to make but can't make because we don't know what's on the horizon. And so that's why it's so important for our church to turn our attention, not to all of the uncertainties, but to the one who is leading us into the unknown, Jesus Christ himself. Because listen, these two words not only frame the entire life for us as individuals, but they frame our entire call as a church family as well. What are we about? Follow me. Where are we going? Follow me. How will we get there? Jesus is saying again, follow me. And so as we turn our attention to Exodus 13, we're going to hear the call of God once again to trust the God who delivers to lead us into the future, all right? Trust the God who delivers to lead us into the future. That's what's happening here in the story of Exodus, particularly Exodus 13, verses 17 through 22. God has just heard the cries of his people under the cruel and oppressive hand of Pharaoh in Egypt. And so he raises up a couple of leaders named Moses and Aaron to represent him before Pharaoh and the people of Egypt, saying, let my people go and free them so that they can live the life that I am calling them to lead. But as we know, those of us who are familiar with the story, Pharaoh didn't like that plan too much, and he says, I am not letting the people of Israel go. In fact, he says in chapter 5, who is the Lord that I should listen to him? And yet God grabs his attention with 10 miraculous signs and wonders in the form of plagues to eventually convince Pharaoh that, yes, he must let the people go. And that's where we pick up in Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 22. Let me read them for us. And I want to show you three truths from this section of God's word. It says this, when, the pe- when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham, 
on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. That they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from the people of Israel. The first thing I want you to to see this morning that I believe you can grab a hold of today and stake your life on it, not just in 2020, but until you go to meet God face to face is this. When we feel lost, God is leading us, right? When we feel lost, God is leading us. We see this in verses 17 and 18. What, what's going on here is this. God was delivering them out of Egypt, which meant they weren't going to keep their address in Egypt any longer, but they were going to move to a new land, a land that God had, in fact, promised them hundreds of years before. But in order to get to that land, there was a short way and a really long way. Now, now I don't know about you guys, but, but I'm, just, I'm just assuming that most of you, like me, are going to vote for, hey, God, please take us by the short way. I mean, can I get a witness in here? Any, anyone who can let us know online, give a comment. Okay, so it's like, you know, I love health and safety. I understand COVID. I don't want to get it. And so, like, when I'm in the grocery store, which, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm helping out Marcia. She's better at the, the grocery shopping and the cooking, but sometimes I try to chip in. And so this past week, I was, you know, at, uh, where was I? I was at Aldi. Yes, that's where I went. And, uh, you know, like the box of pasta was like five steps away. But being the good, law-abiding, all these citizen that I am, I went the one way. I followed the signs. Yes, I did. Thank you. You're so proud of me. I followed the one-way signs down the other aisle to circle back to the aisle where the pasta was, and it took me 45 steps and not five steps. Anybody with, anybody with me these days? It's like, give me the short way. When, when I pull up ways on my, my app, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking for the shortest way, and sometimes I'll double-check like 30 seconds later just to make sure that I'm still on the shortest route. And yet what God says to the people is that I'm not going to take you by the way of the Philistines, verse 17, in the Texas period. It says, although that was near. Listen, if they would have been allowed to go the way of the Philistines, their ETA would have been about five days. Five days marching by the way of the Philistines. But instead, verse 18 tells us that God led them around by the way of the wilderness. Okay, let me put this into perspective. That's like me telling you, hey, we're going to go on a family, you know, hike, and we are going to march from Boston to New York City, but we're going to take a detour through the Adirondack Mountains and visit Niagara Falls on the way. And oh, by the way, we're going to, just wander out there in the wilderness for like an extra 40 years and not five days. And listen, let, let's be clear. The, 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 the text here doesn't say that they felt lost. And yet, I think we can use our sanctified imagination and, and know that these people who in the very next chapter are going to be complaining and groaning 
saying, God, why didn't you take us back to Egypt because we'd rather die there than out here in the wilderness? It's likely that when they started going on this wildly divergent path, that they were beginning to have conversations like, hey, what are we doing out here? I thought the short way was like five days, and we're going not, you know, due north, but we're heading out east, and we don't even know where we're going, towards the wilderness. And so why would God take them on the long road home? Why would God do this? And verse 17 gives us part of the answer. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Here's one thing I know you need to hear this morning. In God's loving leadership, sometimes the most kind thing that God does is protect us from us. He protects us from us. God knew that if they marched through Philistia, and they met the Philistine army, which was very formidable, that number one, they were not prepared for war, and number two, they would be so fearful and intimidated that they would do a U-turn and head back to Egypt, undoing the deliverance that he had just brought them. And so God says the short way is not the best way. The best way is the long way. Let me ask you a couple of questions this morning. What if God sees what you don't see? What if God has a better plan than what you've been praying for? What I love about the leadership of God is this. God has both vision, okay, that means he like knows where he's taking us, But God not only has vision, he has wisdom. That means he has the ability to get us to the destination. And so listen, I understand that that maybe your life right now, maybe your plans, they're not adding up, they're not moving forward. But God says it like this in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Can you believe that God had the audacity to say that? I mean, like, you know, you know better than me, God. Come on, I've planned this out. I know where I'm going. I know when I'm supposed to get there. Listen, God's ways are higher. That means God's ways are better. Listen, if you could see what God sees, this, these are the facts. I just try to give you the facts. If you could see what God sees, you would not be complaining. You would be praising him. 
you would be raising another hallelujah. Listen, I know this fall kickoff and some of you are looking super good today. The reason Pastor Tanner wore a sweatshirt, all right, is because, yes, we have the victory in Jesus, but my shirt is from that song that we sing. It says, my weapon is a melody. We're going to keep praising God when we see life from his perspective. If, if we could trust that the long way is the best way, we would fall down on our knees and say, God, thank you. Yes, maybe I'm not enjoying it all the time, but I know that you are leading me along the way that is best. God is going before us. And it may not make sense right now, and it may not make sense years and years down the road. But when we feel lost, God is leading us. He is the ultimate leader. Number two, when trust is hard, God is teaching us. When trust is hard, God is teaching us. I mean, can you imagine standing on the edge of a wilderness land, knowing that the wilderness is described as, are you ready, dry, desolate, wild, non-arable, that means you can't grow crops there, food is going to be very scarce, it's not a place where you can set up an inhabitance, and so this journey would have to be won by faith, and I believe that's why we have verse 19 here in Exodus 13, which says what? Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. Now, who was Joseph? Joseph's father was a man named Jacob, who was also known as Israel. That's the, he was the patriarch of the nation of Israel. Joseph's great-grandfather was a man named Abraham. And God met Abraham, and he said, hey, through you, I will give your offspring, your people, the promised land, the land of Canaan, and I will make you into a great nation. And I will also bless all the families of the earth through you. This is another way of saying that through Abraham, God would send his ultimate deliverer and redeemer, his Messiah, Jesus Christ, to be the redeemer of the entire world. And, and so Joseph believed this promise so deeply and personally that before he died, he has this solemn moment with the sons of Israel. It's captured in Genesis chapter 20, uh, 50, verse 25, where he, he makes them swear that when they move out to the promise, when God visits them, that they'll take his bones with them. Now, what does this have to do with the journey? I believe God is setting up, in his kindness, God is so kind to us. He's setting up an object lesson, lesson for them. That the bones of Joseph both speak to the faithfulness of God and the faith that we're called to live with. You see, the exodus was planned for hundreds of years, that God was orchestrating this exodus, and he is always 
faithful to every single one of his promises. That's really encouraging news today. But not only is God faithful to his promises, but God is calling us to have faith in his faithfulness. We're called, to, we're called to believe God. We're called to know that he is up to something good. Even when the road is long, we can trust him. God was speaking through these bones. I am faithful. You can trust me. I will give you the land. And if you have any doubt about my interpretation of what's happening here in Exodus 13, you can fast forward to the New Testament and in Hebrews 11, verse 22, it says what? By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. It was an act of faith. Joseph displayed faith in the promises of God and those bones told the people of Israel God is faithful he will get you there even through the wilderness way God is teaching us to trust him in what may feel like a wilderness season in a season where there are so many stinking question marks that it drives us crazy God is saying trust me and this is the story of the Exodus. If you fast forward 40 years and you see the nation of Israel standing on the edge of the promised land in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3, this is what it says. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart. Yes, God is doing that today whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know. They were learning. That, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. What was God doing in the wilderness? He was teaching his people to trust him. He was teaching his people to depend on him. And why would God need to do this? Because you and I both know that we are professionals at trusting almost anything and everything, including ourselves, rather than trusting. And so God, through the wilderness, is teaching them to trust. I hope in this season you are learning to trust God like never before. I hope that in this season when the, when the trials press in and, and life is difficult, that you're learning to hang on every word that God has spoken that gives you life. That you're still trusting and believing that even you, when you can't see it clearly, that God is before you. That he is still leading the way. That he is still providing and guiding your steps in this season. Listen, listen, I know 2020 stinks. I mean, I almost bought this shirt in Rockport two weeks ago. I took a picture of it. I didn't buy it. I was saving some money. But, you know, it's like. I mean, everybody was taking pictures. Why? Because, like, we all feel that. It actually didn't say stinks. You can imagine what it said. 2020 stinks. 
and, and we, this, is, this is like we weren't made for this. This is, this is not the way life is supposed to be. And yet God is doing something in the midst. He's giving us an opportunity to learn and grow. Listen, I love this. Journeying with Jesus, you might want to write this down, by the way, if you're not fully engaged. All right, journeying with Jesus is not so much about where we are going, as important as that is, but it's about who we are becoming. God is changing us. He's shaping us in 2020. Yeah, we may be ready for 2021 and 22, but God is doing something now. He doesn't want us to miss it. And listen, I love this. It's so subtle. It's almost, you wouldn't even see it in the text unless you study a little deeper. But when the end of verse 18 says that the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle, that is actually a bad translation of the Hebrew. Because the Hebrew says that the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt in groups of 50s which was related to a military term and organization. That's why some think it's like, oh, they're equipped for battle. No, they were just organized to march together because that's the only way you're going to survive in the wilderness. Stick together, march together, follow me together. And that's our call as well. We learn together. We move together. This is why groups are so important as we launch this week that we want to do life together, not just say what's up on Sundays. And so God is teaching us to trust him, even when trust is hard. And then finally, what we see in verses 20 through 22 is this. When the way is difficult, God is with us. When the way is difficult, God is with us. Look, look back again at verses 20 through 22. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord, God, the I am, Yahweh, as he revealed himself in chapter 3. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. That they might travel by day and by night the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. They're on the edge of the unknown. And God says, I'm going to lead you. They're on the edge of what feels like an impossible journey. And God says, I'm going with you. And God does so in amazing, miraculous, supernatural fashion because day by day by day, it was no fluke. There was a literal pillar of cloud in the day and there was in that same pillar, there's one pillar, just go look at chapter 14, fire by night. What scholars call this is a theophany. Okay, you can go and press your coworkers this week, right? Now you know a new word. But theophany means a visible manifestation of the presence of God with his people. I'm with you. I'm going before you. When you don't know the way, I'm going to show you. When you're uh, under duress from the hot desert sun, I am going to cover you with a cloud to protect you, Psalm 105. When you can't see, I will be your light the light in the darkness. 
one scholar writes about this. He says, by reason of being guided by the pillar, the Israelites knew all day, every day that God was present with them. Here was a supernatural, huge, invisible reminder that Yahweh was at the head of his people as they march out or encamp, whether by day or by night, Yahweh chose the odd route, not they. The pillar was not merely a sign from Yahweh. It was Yahweh. God was with his people. God is with his people just as much today. We get so captured sometimes by leaders and Listen, Moses, yes, he was the leader of, of the people of Israel on the Exodus, but God was the ultimate leader. Yes, we have leaders in our church, and we need to pray for our very imperfect leaders. Thank God that our pastors and our staff are not the ultimate leader of Redemption Hill Church. God is the ultimate leader. Christ is the ultimate leader. And he's leading us. saying, well, Pastor Tanner, it's like, it's so great that, you know, God was so kind to Israel for these 40 years to give them a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. But, you know, what about me? Like, I can't see in front of me. Like, what about me? What about now? God has done something better for us. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, out of eternity with him in heaven to take on our flesh, to live the life that we should have lived and could not, to die in our place as our good shepherd. Shepherds lead sheep. Sheep are not super smart animals, so they need a shepherd to lead them. And this is what Jesus says in John chapter 10. Speaking of himself as the good shepherd, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Jesus is leading us. But it even gets better. Jesus is so kind that he with his heavenly father, when Jesus departed after he died and rose again and ascended to heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit who is not simply God among us or God before us, but he is God in us. We have the very presence of God. If you follow Jesus, you have the very presence of God living within you, leading you day by day. You can say amen to that, yes. Amen. God is with you. He is leading you every single day. And so I don't know what you need in this season. I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't even know exactly what we need as a church in this season. We don't know where we're going to be two months from now, ten months from now, two years from now. But what we know is the same God is leading us. The same God has given us a mission. The same God is going before us. He has not forsaken us. That's what verse 22, it did not depart from before. He's not moving. God doesn't start and stop. God does not jump into your life and then out of your life. He is faithful. He is so faithful. No matter what 2020 brings, 2021, 
our time, I just want to ask you to reflect for just a moment. And then we're going to sing. But what I want to ask you is this. What step is God calling you to take as you and we follow his leadership in our church? We've been, we've been giving a challenge every week to, in, in part, yes, call us to action because we don't just hear the word, we want to do it but also to keep us united as a church family, whether you're online or you're in the room. We're like moving together as a church, seeking his face. Challenge to be a witness last week. Here's the challenge for this week. Take your next step. Take your next step with Redemption Hill as we all follow God's leadership. And as God is moving, he's inviting us to move with him. You say, well, what does this look like? Well, we have a, a little a movement map, if you will. We call it our discipleship strategy that, that is about helping all people, no matter who you are, where you are, where you're from, what your spiritual journey has been like. Our goal is to help all people become mature and multiplying followers of Jesus because we're all called to follow him. And so maybe today you're here for the first time and your next step is just to come back to the Sunday experience. That would be a great next step. We would love to see you again next Sunday online or here. Maybe it's time to take another step to go deeper, to connect with a group. Our groups are launching this week. Pastor John's going to share more with you. Or maybe to jump into a serve team and to serve with one of our great teams that make Sundays happen and even serve beyond Sundays. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor Skeener, I've never known that God is a personal God. That he wants to follow me. In me to follow him every single day of my life and that I can experience the life and the joy and the love and the peace that comes from his presence. Listen, if you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, God is still calling people saying, follow me. If that's you today, then I want to invite you to follow Jesus. Just cry out to God, admit your need for him, confess your sin before him and accept his invitation through the work of Christ on the cross to die in your place and give you life through his resurrection from the dead. Whatever it is, whatever your next step is, let's move out. Let's move forward together as God gives us strength to do so. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would convince us more than ever that all your paths are steadfast love and faith. God, we, we want to have the confidence of the people of Israel who saw that you were just going right before them every single day. And God, you've done even more for us. You've given us Jesus and you've given us your Holy Spirit. And so, God, would you empower us to take the next step and the next step and the next step as we move forward together as a church family. We pray this in the powerful
Light in the darkness, my God. That is who you oh, are. Oh, You are the way maker, the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness. We know, Jesus, that you are the light in the darkness. Oh, the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in darkness, my God, that is, that is who you are, 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 that is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. First of all, college students, we're glad you're back today. Hey, we clap again. Yeah, we're glad. We love college students here. There's a college lunch right after the service here. Hey, is James in here? He already slid out. He might have slid. He probably slid out already. But hey, gather outside. We're going to walk down to Victory Park. It's not far from here. Um, we'll be doing that outdoors. So love to connect with you after the service today. And then, hey, next Sunday, I get to lead a couple of fun uh, events for us right after the service next Sunday, I'm going to be leading a next. So if you're newish with Redemption Hill, typically we offer a lunch. We're not going to do a lunch.